0: I think there's going to be a whole shift in terms of like accelerating certain transformations that were happening that now are just really just supercharged. Shopping is just one that really sticks out to me because I kind of feel like that genie is out of the bottle now that like people were forced to buy so much online.
1: Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. You just heard Christopher Zara, senior staff news editor for Fast Company, touch on how the coronavirus pandemic has accelerated digital and technological transformations that will have a lasting impact in business and society. Esri CMO Mariana Cantor investigates emerging technologies and top trends for 2021 with Zara, a journalist who focuses on technology, business, and culture.
2: Hi, Christopher, and welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast.
0: Thanks for having me.
2: So I wanted to talk about Fast Company. It was founded in 1995 at the dawn of the internet age. I was around then and I remember it. And its mission, as stated, is to write for and about progressive business leaders. What is a progressive business leader in today's world?
0: It's a pretty broad definition depending on the uh, the area. Like I feel like today's progressive business leaders are thinking a lot differently about the role of capitalism in the world you know there's a lot of talk about stakeholder capitalism where you take a more holistic approach and think think about the workers think about the consumers and think about people who um, you know are all invested in the company and not just the the, the traditional shareholder class um, so I think that business leaders who are really thinking about those things um, business as a kind of this holistic entity I think, would be considered more progressive.
2: So Fast Company, it also cares about ideas. It spotlights and champions what you guys call the world changing ideas. What ideas are emerging through the experience of living through a pandemic this last year that might be actually changing or reframing our world?
0: We we don't have the world we thought we were going to have a year ago. But uh, I, I would say like as, I, as we've covered the pandemic over the last year and, and, and you know, the, with the emphasis on innovation and technology, a few obvious ones come to mind. The, the, the vaccine technology, NRA, like this was not widely used before these new vaccines for um, COVID-19. And I, I think that now that it's here, like there's, enormous possibilities with that kind of a technology. you know also CRISPR technology, the gene editing technology that lets you go in and sort of edit genes this is this is a, a rather new thing and I don't I don't think we have any like serious grasp on, on what, um, what kind of possibilities are there when you start editing genes, but we're, we're going to find out because it's moving pretty rapidly. And I think there'll be a lot of, you know, good and also probably some troubling, uh, implications with, with that kind of a technology. I'm also a big fan of the hyperloop technology, which is still sort of emerging, but I, I just, I'm such a fan of like mass transit. Um, And a little bit of a geek about it that I'm just kind of fascinated by the idea that we could get into these tubes that are like magnetic tubes and just go at these high speeds um, into different cities. Maybe it's a pipe dream. You know, it's, it's nice to have those kinds of pipe dreams.
2: Let's talk about technologies that are closer to what Esri does. Let's start with advanced analytics. And I could probably add to it artificial intelligence and machine learning, that whole collection of technologies. You know,
0: I, TikTok comes to mind. And, and the reason I say that is because they, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about these kind of kind of algorithms that can serve users, um, the kind of content that they actually want. I've, I've never found them to be especially useful, especially when you're talking about like Facebook or, or Twitter with, you know, the, this kind of like uh, curated feeds that, that supposedly show you what, what you want. But TikTok has kind of figured it out in certain ways. And I don't know Exactly how how they do it, but it they really um, th- they just seem to like know how to serve the kinds of videos that you're interested in after you watch just a few of them. I, I think that the reason it's so influential with young people is be, is because of that sort of secret algorithm that they have that uses, I think, advanced analytics on their on their users and and um, artificial intelligence to to kind of like have this sort of secret sauce. Um, So I don't know. That one comes to mind as as one. How about drones? Yeah, I would say delivery companies are doing some interesting things with drones. Uh, FedEx and and UPS are both testing uh, drone delivery. And, you know, I I mean, there's this sort of apocalyptic version of drones being everywhere and flying packages, you know, through neighborhoods and, and stuff like that that kind of scares people. But. I don't think it'll be like that so much as like, I think there's definitely a useful s- scenario where drones can be used to get packages to people who live in maybe uh, rural areas or, you know, very isolated areas. So I think there could be a place for them. And I, and I think that it's one area where we, we could see drones actually being used um, in, in everyday life in a, in a way that is useful to people who need it.
2: Uh, So let's talk about mapping technologies and geographic information systems, or GIS. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the impact of this set of technologies on our lives?
0: We saw uh, a lot of it with the mapping solutions that came out during the pandemic. We've done a lot of stories about maps that were helping people identify um, communities that might be more vulnerable during the pandemic and places where the, uh, the hospital capacity was, was reaching dangerous levels. Um, so there were a lot of instances where maps came in, you know, were very useful in probably saving people's lives um, using that technology. I would hope that that technology could also maybe be used to prevent the next COVID from happening. One of the things that surprised me about COVID was that it happened at all, given the fact that we have such... A vast ability to track things with maps. You know, not that I was ever any kind of an expert on viral diseases, but I, I had always assumed that we'd be able to understand where it was going before it reached the levels that it did. And I, I guess w- with this one, it was just the, the perfect storm because it could, you know, you could transmit it without symptoms. But I hope the maps can, can be useful in, in preventing the next COVID from happening.
2: So, speaking of maps and geography, these have been around for a very long time. But is there something about the current moment that makes them most relevant or even critical today?
0: Yeah, I think we're, we're in a, a global world, it's much more so than we used to be. Um, I, I think that there's all kinds of reasons we need to have the, the you know, the world mapped out. If you're looking at, just getting around and uh, with GPS and all that kind of technology that makes everyday life a little bit easier for for people. I think that all that requires top-notch mapping technology. Um, And then of course, back to the pandemic, we've seen how maps can play a vital role in informing us of the the situation on the ground. I I think maps will only continue to be more relevant as society becomes more interconnected.
2: Do you come across the term digital transformation in your work? And if so, how would you define it? Or how does the media define it? And how's it impacting culture, behavior, society, business?
0: It, it's, the transformation has been happening, obviously, for a long time. I think that so much has been accelerated by by the pandemic um, through necessity. And working from home is one. Uh, online learning is, an, is another one that just, just had, you know, they had to kind of, reinvent how people were learning. I mean, because schools were closed. Shopping is another big one. You know, obviously online shopping has been around for a long time, but after people got locked down, I think a lot of people were sort of forced to, to adopt it. And I think a lot of those consumers are, now that they've experienced it and, and, and understand it, I, I probably won't go back to shopping the way they used to. To, to a large extent. So there's I think there's going to be a whole shift um in terms of like accelerating certain transformations that were happening that now are just really just supercharged. I, shopping is just one that really sticks out to me because I kind of feel like that genie is out of the bottle now that like people were forced to to buy so much online. AR is is going to be interesting in this regard because retailers were not rushing to embrace AR as a technology. And when I say AR in this instance, I mean like the kind of apps that let you try things on virtually um, or let you like look at things and and examine things in a 3D sort of environment. We actually just did an interview with with the CEO of, of Snapchat, who talked about how companies that had not been so willing to embrace it are now embracing it more because their retail shops are closed or they, you know, this is like they have, limited ways of seeing customers in, in real in in real life. So I think that I think AR is one example that we're we're going to see flourish. Um, AR in the retail space specifically where you can virtually look at products and look at them in certain environments and stuff like that.
2: Let's turn to business a little bit. Fast Company recently published its annual World's Most Innovative Companies list. This year's list understandably focused heavily on companies thriving in the face of adversity. And one of the categories on the list is data science, highlighting companies using big data, analytics to kind of lead in their respective fields. And that included climate change, education, public health. What do these companies have in common and which ones for you stand out and why?
0: So the one thing that they all have to have in common is that they've really done something uh, transformative in their own industry um, over the last year. And so that's usually that year timeline is what, uh, what Fast Company looks for in a most innovative company. Um, it's really about something recent, something groundbreaking, and um, something that has, you know, moved their industry forward in a way. Um, and as you've noted, it's our biggest undertaking That we do every year just because there's so many companies on it. I think for the data science, a a few that would stand out, uh, Snowflake is one of them. It's the the cloud-based data giant that basically companies can use their tools for storing and analyzing and acquiring data. And it's proven really useful for, for these companies to forecast hospital rates during COVID and um, scaling up meal delivery services. And then of course, Snowflake did their um, IPO last year in September. And it was, uh, it was like the biggest IPO in software history. So it was a pretty big moment for, for Snowflake. One of the things that you wouldn't expect is um, the Best Friends Animal Society, which had apparently been using um, big data to, to figure out how to um, save Puppies and kittens from the from being killed in shelters, and it's not one that you would think of as a big big data science company. That one definitely stood out for me on that list.
2: Are there some startups that you are seeing that are innovating to realize their ambitions using technology?
0: I'd say that a few that stand out. This might not even be considered a startup now because it was bought by American Express, but Resi, the restaurant reservation platform, they have done some really cool installations where they uh, do drive-through events and you can order like this, these 10 course meals from local chefs. And um, it it was a way to kind of go out and enjoy this gourmet food while restaurants were closed. And it was just kind of a cool idea. And in in cities like Miami and, and Los Angeles, where there's already an established strong car culture, like these kinds of things may catch on and become kind of permanent ways to enjoy gourmet food using, you know, the, the restaurant, um, reservation software as, as sort of like the backbone. So that was one that kind of stands out. Equity B is, is another kind of interesting startup. that just has a, this kind of unique place where it's, um, it's helping, um, startup employees, um, basically invest in their own company. So it helps them buy stock options. Um, so if you're a startup employee and you want to try to make some, some early money, the, with your own company, I think it's interesting just in a sense that it's a it's providing a service that's probably has been needed for a long time.
2: So we've touched upon this a little bit, but I want to bring it out. there's this commitment to sustainable practices by businesses that's becoming a key consideration for their customers. What are some ways you're seeing businesses again use technology to become more sustainable, more
1: transparent?
0: I think they could always be even more transparent. I, I always feel like transparency is not as something that is easy to say you are and then, but like really hard to, it's really hard to know if a company is being transparent because we only know what they tell us. To, as an example of sustainability, I think there might one good example might be re- recently, that, you know fast fashion is, is an area that really needs to figure out how to be more sustainable. It's the, uh, the way fast fashion operates is not good for the environment. Everyone recognizes that. And the brands are trying to take steps to to be better. Um, There was a a recent example, our fashion writer, uh, Elizabeth Segrin wrote about it, where the fast fashion brands that manufacture clothing in in Bangladesh, uh, and these are big brands like H&M and Target, they joined forces to create this clothing recycle system within Bangladesh. So what's done there is, is done in a more sustainable way. They are kind of taking this kind of like all hands sort of holistic approach that brings together all the different stakeholders in the supply chain and the retailers and all that stuff. So that's one example of, of companies trying to figure out ways to make their industry better.
2: Are there emerging trends that we haven't discussed that might redefine or reframe how we think about meaningful work?
0: The experience economy was really roaring. Um, before the pandemic and it's been, you know, wounded. Um, but I, I, I do, I think that we're gonna see uh, a roaring 20s of, of experiences. I just wrote about this, um, this uh, high concept um, golf club where it's like miniature golf and, and a live DJ and cocktails that they're, they've been doing in London and they're coming here to the United States to, to open a place Two open locations in uh, Washington D.C. and New York City, and um, it just it really seems like this kind of wacky experience that's very Instagram friendly, and um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that kind of stuff happen over the next few years once once this uh, you know once the virus is under control.
2: Very good. Thank you very much, Christopher. Delightful conversation.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast, and thanks to Christopher Zara for giving insight into what makes the most innovative technologies and companies successful. If you liked this episode, please take a moment to rate Esri and the Science of Wear podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. To learn more about how geospatial technology and analysis helps organizations understand issues and problem solve, visit esri.com forward slash location intelligence.